Hey friends, super excited to have you joining us on this podcast episode. Just wanted to let you know about a really exciting opportunity we have. It's called the homesteadopenhouse.com. It's a virtual open house of people's homesteads from all over the world. Switzerland, Australia, Israel, all over the United States, British Columbia. We've gathered 26 different homesteaders to go through, give us little 15-minute clips of what's working on their homestead. Some of them are doing multiples. Some are doing just one or two. Everything from alternative energy to black soldier flies to gardening and regenerative agriculture, everything in between. Um, would love to have, have you join us. It's the homesteadopenhouse.com. It's just $9 to join. Uh, it starts March 14th through the 17th. We'll have a live Q&A on the 17th. But yeah, join us and uh, enjoy this new episode. Thank you. What's most important for sure. And then take it slowly. I always have the problem of, I always sit down and I think of all the things I want to do and I'm so hands-on and go, 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 go. I just want to do it all at once. And that's really, you can't, you're going to end up having to redo stuff anyways. So figure out what's the most important. If the garden is the most important to you, you need to figure out where the best spot or where you at least think the best spot is going to be for it and get it started. If chickens are the most important, then you need to get started on chickens. Just don't try and do everything at once because it is very easy to get overwhelmed. And also I'd say, don't try and do it perfectly. I've been gardening not even that long, five or six years now myself. Like I said, I had experience in the past and I grow a lot of our own produce now. Welcome to the Schoolhouse Life Podcast, where we believe that life is a schoolhouse. Totally. We're super dorks with a passion for sharing our love of homeschooling, homesteading, natural health care, plant medicines, natural childbirth, healthy eating, meditation, creative endeavors, overall self-sufficiency for the whole family. Oh, and don't forget self-development and spirituality. Oh, of course. Key players. We hope you'll be inspired to do things you haven't, try things that could make your life better, and mostly, we want to encourage you to never stop learning and let your life be a schoolhouse too. So hey friends, it's me, Lacey. I'm really excited today. I am here with Michelle of the Wild Ones Homestead. She is on Instagram. You can find her there and we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But I am just thrilled that she's joining us today because she is actually one of the contributors for our Homestead Open House, which is coming together swimmingly. It's going to be amazing. It's going to have the most incredible content for people who are particularly small scale homestead type of folks. Even if you're just getting started, even if you just have an urban sort of setting, this is going to be a place where you can see what folks are doing on a small scale and things that you can then implement in your own life and in, to you know build your own and grow your own self-sufficiency. So anyway, Michelle, I'm thrilled to have you here. I love seeing your Instagram feed and all the things that you have going on. It's very inspiring. Um, but I really actually want to take a step back from that and start at the beginning of your story. And if you wouldn't mind sharing a bit about your upbringing, did you grow up in the, on a farm? Are you new to all of this? How did you transition into this lifestyle? So yeah, just lay that out for us. Okay. <laughs> I'll try and make it quick. Um, <laughs> I grew up in a small town where almost my entire family lived, still live. You know, we all graduated from the same high school, had some of the same teachers as my parents. 
<laughs> yeah, my dad's side of the family is really into hunting, fishing, camping. So I grew up doing those. My parents were divorced. So I grew up doing those sorts of activities with my dad's side of the family. My mom's side of the family also does some hunting, but they really were more into the homesteading. Her parents actually built their house from recycled materials. There HDTV episode out there somewhere in the universe of their home that they built. It's amazing. And they used, you know, the like aquaponics and they had raised terrace gardens and oh my goodness, grew grew as much of their food as they could, canned it, heated, heated their home through a wood stove. They even had like this weird cave system, their house was built into the side of a hill. So it was cooled all, it was like 50 degrees in the summer. So they're burning fires to heat their house in the summer because well, their house what is area. cool. You're in the Wisconsin, you said, right? So it's like, what zone is that? Yeah, like, like central. Yeah. I'm in zone, I think five. Yeah, it's so I'm like right on the edge of four and five. So yeah. usually I just say five. There's lots of but, cold and not not quite as much heat, but so that's still really impressive. It's, summer, it's, pretty hot. it's pretty hot and humid in the summer. 90s and like high humidity, oh. all the mosquitoes. <laughs> but so I grew up, you know, with both of my parents' families doing all these things. And when my mom would go hunting with her dad, I would stay with my grandma and we'd pick things from the garden and we'd bake cookies. And so I was just sort of around that. And I always found it interesting. And then in, I think it was middle school, about eighth grade, I, we had horses growing up. My mom did, but I wasn't really around them much. And then in middle school, I joined 4-H with some of my best friends. And that's where my horse world just kind of exploded. So I have been working and volunteering at barns since I was about 13. <laughs> so I bought my horse when I was 16. Instead of getting my license, I still have her. I'm not, sure you, I'm not sure if you can hear my great Pyrenees barking in the background. <laughs> oh, I wasn't sure if that was yours or ours, so you're fine. Life <laughs> with livestock guardians. <laughs> yeah, they bark. Um, and it, my best friend and I in high school, we told each other, we we're like, we're just gonna graduate and move out west and have our horses and have, we didn't know it was called a homestead at the time, but we're like, we're just gonna garden and have all of our animals and chickens and horses and, you know, do whatever and it'll be great. Funny enough, both of us ended up married to military men shortly after high school and moving across the country from each other. But I didn't really start the homesteading stuff myself until after I had kids Mm -hmm. because having kids really forces you to slow down. Before I had the kids, it was horses, horses, horses. I trained professionally. I trained on the private side. I was training just for myself. I was just, that was all that I did all the time and I loved it and I really miss it but it's not safe to leave your kid in the house and go ride a horse and it's not safe to put your kid on the horse with you and where we lived in Washington state while my husband was in the military we lived in the middle of nowhere 10 miles from the main entrance to Mount Rainier if I would have fallen off and gotten hurt we didn't have worse that would have known my husband was gone on deployments or training a lot so it was me and the kids. So wow. Yeah. I was like, okay, I need to start doing something else that I'm interested in that's safer for the kids to be along with me, which was, you know, we started gardening. We didn't have chickens there, but we had the garden and it was this very small, just a few raised beds. And, but I was able to pull the knowledge that I'd have from 
watching my mom garden and watching her parents garden. So it was still a learning experience starting it on my own, but it wasn't coming from nowhere. And then after my husband got out of the military, we decided to sell that home because it was in the middle of nowhere with no family and no friends around us. And that's kind of a hard place to be when you go from a steady job to no job. And you're yeah. like, okay, what are we doing for income? And we don't have a babysitter. And <laughs> right. so yeah. we sold that home and we moved back to Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. We lived with my mom for eight months. We had our two horses, our two great Pyrenees and our three cats. Oh <laughs> we God. lived in... Yeah, we lived in a camper in her backyard for, I think, six months until I got too cold. And then we converted her garage into like a one bedroom room for the kids and us to live in. It just, the market was crazy. And we had had such a nice home at the old place that it was like, we could buy a really, really old farmhouse on 80 acres, but then we're going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars fixing up that home. So we ended up with a smaller, but newer home. I think this home was built in 2015 and it's 1500 square feet. So it's not big, but it's not too small either. It's a nice size. And then it's 11 and a half acres, which is less than what we wanted. We had 18 at our old house. So this has been a little bit of an adjustment, downsizing everything. But, you know, it worked out better financially. Right. Yeah, I was going to say, your heating bills are lower and all the maintenance is lower. Everything is lower on that end. So that's nice. And then once we moved in here, it's just been constant work. (laughs) Because this is not a homestead. It was a house in a garage on acreage. So it was, okay, we need to put up fencing in the backyard so that we can bring our dogs home. And then we need to put up an outbuilding so that we can bring the horses home. And we were moving them in, in January in Wisconsin, really fun doing fencing in January in Wisconsin. And then we had a polar vortex that year and we had negative 50 wind chill. Oh my goodness. So (laughs) So then I'm following around the mud. I can remember it could be worse. Yeah. Yeah. So then that following summer, I was like, okay, I'm going to spend my money that I've saved, which I never used when we were in Washington. And I'm going to build a barn because negative 50 taking care of my horses who are older now, because I've had them for a long time was fun. So we put up the barn and then I had extra money and I was like, well, I've always wanted chickens. So I'm going to now we're going to build a chicken coop with some of that money and get chickens. And it's just slowly you know, evolving. And now we're doing the maple syrup and I've started selling some of the eggs and a little bit of extra produce and preserving the produce and making the maple syrup from our trees. And it just kind of, we're adding on a little bit as a, at a time. My husband is a total city boy. He's not interested in any of this stuff. He just kind of goes along. Oh, that's Yeah. Yeah. He just kind of is like, okay. So anything extra that gets added on, I have to sit and think, can I take this on myself? Like last year with everything happening, we really thought about getting some beef cattle mm, because yeah. we, yeah. we don't know what's yep. happening. It feels, and then I was, yeah, good move. But from what I've heard, you yeah. can butcher it anyway. So there's, yes. <laughs> but after, you know, and he even approved it, which is shocking because he always says no more animals. <laughs> well, I, really thought about it. And I was like, I don't have the time or the setup to add in beef cows right now. So I'm, I'm going to be really excited that you said yes, because if you said once, yes, you can say yes in the future. That's right. But I'm going to put a pause on that right now. Yeah. So 
Yeah. I'm hoping to expand and do, even if we don't do cows, you, you know, meat birds would be nice. We need to get the disease trees cleared out of our woods. Our property was fully wooded when we moved in. So we had to clear to put up the barn and like the chicken coop and riding arena. And like I said, it's shaded around the garden because it's fully wooded, which is makes my growing season very interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I'm hoping that this year we're supposed to get the trees cleared, which then we can put up perimeter fencing. So then we could start looking at, you know, different meat animals that we could possibly bring into raids and hopefully the garden will do better. And when those trees are cleared, I can put up the greenhouse and it's just one step at a time. <laughs> we have been on so many of those steps because we, we bought a very similar size property, about uh, 10 acres and it was all wooded. And in order to have a garden, we had to get those trees taken out. And I will say it's very cool though, because you can, either have somebody come and mill them and you can have that lumber and use it. So something to think about sidebar, if you don't have a plan already. And then in the other area, we actually had a giant mulching machine come, which was cool because it took the tree down and then it actually mulched it in its place. And it left a really nice manageable kind of area that hopefully the grass will come in real quick and um, the sheep can graze there. So just some things to think about. If you ever have a question about that, then we know yeah. about taking trees out. <laughs> yes, we did at our old property too. We had it partially because that was fully logged too, but we just, did, that was 18 acres. So we just had that part cleared this one because it's smaller and the trees are so diseased we're going to be mostly yeah. clearing out yeah yeah so they were selectively cleared out our old property and we're doing the same here to open it up and to get rid of the diseased trees after we bought the property we actually bought enough fencing to completely fence it in and then very quickly realized that the oak trees all have oak wilt oh. and it will just drop branches or fall over yeah random and the, a lot of them look fine and you don't know until they fall over yeah so like we're not yeah. wasting thousands of dollars of fencing by putting trees up or putting it up before the trees come down so that's been two years now we've been waiting to get the trees cleared yeah hopefully this year will be the year, the year. but we'll see well it's not going anywhere so you'll always get to it at some point right yeah. <laughs> So then tell me a little bit, some of your goals, maybe when you started out, what was your goal? And then what are your goals kind of going into the future? I just want to be as self-sufficient as possible. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, and it's not like, I feel like I have to be, but it's just, I want, I want to be able to grow the best food that I can for myself because it tastes better. It looks better. It <laughs> makes me feel happy. It's something that I enjoy doing. And of course it saves money. Who doesn't want to save money? Yeah. So that, that's the long-term goal. And I, you know, I think a lot of homesteaders, we're not really people, you know, we're, we, <laughs> like, we like being around animals and nature more than being around people. So if I can go grocery shopping in my garden, that's right. more enjoyable than going to Walmart or Costco and having to be around people. <laughs> I'm more nutritious too. I love that. I think that makes yeah. a ton of sense. I mean, I think something, I think when I hear the word homestead versus farm, that's usually the differentiation is that the farmer wants to like make it their income and the homesteader just wants to make it like their own personal use. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think that's a pretty smart way to go about it, to know what your, your kind of goal and end game yeah. is. Yeah, like I said, I sell a little bit of things on the side, like some of my extra eggs and a little bit of my extra produce, but really that's just to try and get back my cost on it. So my eggs, I only sell for $2 a dozen, oh. which for free range chicken yeah. eggs, people are like, yeah, what are you doing? I'm just trying to make money back on what it's costing me to feed them. I'm not trying to make a profit. Like, and if I'm giving someone else good food for cheap that they might not have 
got if it was three dollars and five dollars a dozen yeah you know that's for me so that's nice. That's a good way to look at it. So I have a question about how you would recommend newbies or people who are just starting out maybe with their first property. Like what first steps would you advise them to take? Ooh, you have to decide what's most important for sure. And then take it slowly. I always have the problem of, I always sit down and I think of all the things I want to do and I'm so hands-on and go, 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 go. I just want to do it all at once. And that's really, you can't, you're going to end up having to redo stuff anyways. So figure out what's the most important. If the garden is the most important to you, you need to figure out where the best spot or where you at least think the best spot is going to be for it and get it started. If chickens are the most important, then you need to get started on chickens. Just don't try and do everything at once because it is very easy to get overwhelmed. And also I'd say, don't try and do it perfectly. I've been gardening not even that long, five or six years now myself. Like I said, I had experience in the past Mm -hmm. and I grow a lot of our own produce now, but I kind of take it the easy way. I use mulch and straw to combat the weeds and I'm not super scientific about it. I'm not worried about crop rotation. I'm not worried about soil testing. (laughs) The stuff grows or it doesn't grow. You don't, you can make it as easy or as complicated as you want it to be. It doesn't have to be super stressful. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. When people say, well, I got my soil test back. What would I, what would you do with this? I'm like, Oh, I'm not sure. I'm the person you should ask. (laughs) That's not my Maybe one day when my kids are like older, yeah, I'll have yeah. the space to be like, okay, we need to figure out what every plant needs to thrive. Mm-hmm. But right now I've got way too much going on. It's like, this is either going to work or it's not. And if this, if I can't grow Brussels sprouts here, then I'm going to grow tomatoes and I'll be just happy with that and get my Brussels sprouts from the farmer's market. Like that's not the end of the world. Brussels sprouts are tricky. <laughs> I think I have yet um, actually. I try every year and I don't know that we've ever really had good Brussels sprouts. So anyway, moving on. <laughs> what would you say? I think that's a really good advice. I think that's the hardest part for folks who want to homestead. They're the kind of people who want to do it, do it, do it, right? It's you generally people who are action takers and it can be really hard to take a step back and, and, reel it in but you can be way more successful if you focus really intently on one thing versus spreading that focus out on all of the things so I think that's a really good piece of advice well and it can be heartbreaking if you have to cut back something especially if it was animals if you've got goats and sheep and donkeys and chickens and then you realize you can't do them all it can be really hard yeah to get rid of them all so it's just just go a little bit little bit at a time. And that's going to be more beneficial, especially in animals cases too, because if you get in a bunch of animals that you didn't take your time to figure out what they need, mm-hmm. you're going to have big problems that everybody's going to regret. Yeah. And I think that actually has been probably the hardest thing about homesteading is learning that, you know, we, we started with goats. We, we, thought for years that's what we wanted was goats and so we had goats for a few years and then we realized that no we actually don't want to have goats we want because they're way less trouble and learning to let go of things so that you can enjoy the process more I think is a huge piece of how we've made it work for ourselves because I think yeah we can get caught up in making it work and making it right and figuring out every problem but if it's a problem over and over it's okay to be like yeah that's just not for me and I'll move on to the next thing that's such good advice okay so what's the hardest part of farming for you not being able to do it all at once <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> yeah I'm not very patient I I like to get things done so I'm like but I want all of the things and you know 
taking my time, even though I, that is the best advice. I tell it to myself daily. I cannot do all the things. Like I would love to be digging out the snow in the garden right now and starting to do things. <laughs> I'm like I'm trying to boil down like at least 30 gallons of sap a day. Oh. I can be dealing with the garden at the same time. Something is going to have to wait. Just calm down, Michelle. Yeah. <laughs> you get there eventually. It doesn't have to happen at once. Yeah. No, I'm feeling that right now because the sun is out, right? You know, the yeah. sun's come out. It's starting to feel like spring here. And so we're like, okay, we got to get everything in the ground as fast as possible. But I noticed like the first full day of nice weather and I had to kind of like take a breather and sit down because I'm not, my body is physically not even used to that kind of work yeah. right now because we've been like kind of dormant for the last three months. So it's I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to slow it down, you know, really take time and not rush everything. But yeah, that is, it's a really hard, hard thing to do. <laughs> okay. So that your maple syrup thing, it makes me want to hear more about what else do you have kind of rolling right now, or at least describe that for us, because I don't think everyone has experienced tapping maple syrup or what it takes, what the process is. So if you wouldn't mind giving us a little bit of a well, I did a video on it for Good. the open house. Um, it was a quick video because I do think it's a, a lot more simple process than people realize. You don't even need maple trees to make syrup. What? There are, yeah, I think there are over 20 different varieties of trees. Don't quote me on that, but there's a lot. There's a lot of varieties of trees that you can tap to make syrup out of. Maples just have, specifically sugar maples, have the highest sugar concentration in the sap to begin with, which is why it's the most common because it takes less boiling down. Depending on your sugar ratios, even for maple trees, it can take like 20 to 40 gallons of sap to boil down to get one gallon of syrup. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. So it's a lot. That's why a lot of people will use wood when they're boiling down the syrup dude over a wood fire because it's expensive. We do it with propane, which okay. is expensive. Yeah. We are trying to, my husband's, that's actually what he's working on right now. We're trying to put together a reverse osmosis system for it. Oh, neat. So, just like you do with water, we're filtering out, there's going to be pure water, and then there's going to be this more concentrated sap. So theory is that you can cut back on your, how much water is in the sap by up to 50%. So that's going to really save on boiling time. So we're really excited to get that up and running yeah. hopefully today, because we collected 50 gallons of sap today, and we only have one five-gallon pot to boil on right now. <laughs> I was going to ask, what is your equipment set up? Because, yeah, that's a lot. So you can do it in your house if you don't have anything. It will make everything sticky, so, but you can do it. It's Otherwise, like honey harvest I, it is what I'm imagining when we, well, and because the steam is like sticky. So it's like the oh. cabinets are sticky. My glasses, I'll be constantly cleaning them. And like, you're like everything. Oh, wow. sticky. And you have to open all the windows because the humidity goes insane in the house. But I did that all last year because we didn't have an outdoor burner and I did like 180 gallons last year. So holy smoke. You can okay, do so it. How many trees do you have tapped? This year I have 16 trees tapped. 16 trees and that gives you how 180 gallons you said? That's how much I did last year and I didn't even tap 
I don't remember how many trees I tapped last year, but it wasn't as many as this year. I'm trying to up my game a little bit. Last year was my first year doing it. So I was kind of just testing the waters with it. Yeah. And now I'm like, okay, I got this. <laughs> Let's go. I'm going to see how many I can get away with and not have to be up like 24 hours a day boiling. So oh, that's so exciting though. So you're going to get maple syrup and you're going to do some maple sugar. You were telling me yeah, that I make maple sugar and maple cream, which I also show how to do. Ooh, yay! Oh, so if you're a register for the Homestead Open House, you're going to get a sneak peek. I love it. That's so yeah. Cool. This stuff is easy and not a lot of people realize you can do it. And even if you can, you can't tap a tree at home, you don't have a maple tree or any other, you can buy maple syrup. Just make sure it's pure maple syrup mm -hmm. and you can make maple sugar or maple cream yourself instead of buying it. It's way cheaper, way cheaper. Really? <laughs> I didn't know that. Cause I mean, maple syrup can be pretty expensive too, so. Yeah, well, and when you boil down the syrup and you turn it into sugar, you actually are gonna end up with a little more sugar volume than you put in syrup because it's, you know, granulated oh, instead of liquid. So cool. Okay, so yeah. you do have to wait for it to, the temperatures to drop and then rise again. Is that how it works? What is the process of yeah. when so it needs harvest? to be below freezing at night and above freezing during the day. I found at least for our trees in the forties during the day, it seems to run the best. If it's still in the thirties, you don't really get a lot of action from the sap, but okay. once it's getting forties or even fifties, as long as it's getting below freezing at night, mm -hmm. the sap flow is amazing. And I know some of the other types of trees, the timing is a little bit different because I see people that do multiple types and they'll be like maple ends. And then we start, you know, birch or alder after that, because they kind of, their sap flow timing is a little bit different. Oh man. I, you have me on. Now I want to go all over our property and figure out if we can try to tap something. Yes. And I know all of them have a little bit of a different taste too. So I would love to, once we get the trees cleared. I kind of want to see what we have left and figure out if there's something else that I can trap just that I can tap yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. just to try and see what it tastes like. And it be fun. Yeah. Totally have like tastings and stuff. I mean, that's just the neatest thing. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Okay. So my last question for you, everybody, you're going to have to join the Homestead Open House and listen and watch this video because uh, on tapping trees, because I think everybody listening is probably like, wait, what? I can do this. Yeah. What is something, a little off topic, you do to help kind of calm yourself, relieve stress, that kind of thing? I know on a homestead, it can be hard to stop <laughs> and relax. What is something that you like to do in order to, to kind of relieve your stress? Um, go shovel horse poop. <laughs> 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 so it's the first time anybody's answered that on the podcast, but I have, I've heard it a lot. And I actually agree when we shovel, we don't have horses. We do the sheep barn every once in a while. And it is, it's like, I don't know why, why is that so relaxing? I think it's just kind of a mindless task. Your mind can wander. I'm a big daydreamer. So I'll be thinking like, what if I had $80 million and what, what kind of homestead would I, you know, so I, my mind just goes into wherever the heck it wants and I can do the job that needs to get done. So I feel that I'm accomplishing something because I'm getting the stall clean, right. but also it's mindless. I, it doesn't really take any more thought than where am I going to throw this pile? So. Yes. I love that. That's a really good answer. So everybody get out your pitchforks and shovel some manure. You can come here. I'll share. <laughs> One last question. How can folks stay in touch with you, Michelle? Um, well, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. 
I have Pinterest. I'm not as active on there. And I have a website. So okay. I kind of do blog updates on there of other things that are going on, like in more detail than you can put on Instagram or things that don't necessarily make it on YouTube. And my email is on there. So if anybody has specific questions about something, because I have so much going on, sometimes I'll post something and I like do like 90% and then I'll forget some crucial part. So then maybe you need to email me and go, hey, <laughs> and I'm happy to answer any questions and help out, you know, where I can. I love it. Okay. So that's Michelle of the Wild Ones Homestead. Check her out in all of those places and be sure to register for the homeschool or sorry, the homestead open house, which is just, I'm, it's coming together to be one of my most favorite events ever. So I'm so excited. Thank you, Michelle, for being on the call and for joining us in the open house. And we'll see you again soon. So it's March and we have some really exciting things going on and wanted to let you know about. First of all, we've got the Homestead Opening House, which is, I'm so excited about this. It is just going to be a phenomenal amount of content talking about all things homesteading. So whether you're a novice or you have experience, you're going to get to hear from people all across the globe, over 20 speakers sharing what they do, how they make homesteading work for themselves. And there's, it's just going to be amazing. So, so, so much great content. I'm particularly excited about learning how to make Gouda. Uh, we're going to be learning how to gather seeds and harvest seeds and start seeds and, um, just growing crops through the year, working with animals, just you name it, the topic is going to be covered. We cannot wait. On top of that, we have local, if you're local, if you're a small farmer or a homesteader, we do have a farming mastermind going on. We are meeting once a month and we would love to have you join us at that at the schoolhouse. So if you're local, please check that out. We also have New Moon Teas, which are a phenomenal place for uh, women to connect and reflect and um, really just um, build some community. So we would love to have you check that out as well. And then lastly, whether you're local or not local, we have the Academy and the Flock that you can check out. Um, both we're really hoping are an opportunity for anyone, no matter where you are, to learn the ins and outs of homesteading. Uh, the Academy, we have a monthly Q&A, live Q&A, and a library of over 70 videos on everything you can imagine. You also get free access to the Homeschool Open House and the Homestead Open House, and discounts on the local events. And I, we just think it's a really great way to build community and grow together, and um, you get the guidance from Drew and I directly. And on top of that, we have the flock. If you're looking for more hands-on, one-on-one kind of connection, um, that's an opportunity as well starting this month. So we wanted to make sure you know all about that. And then something I just added to the calendar that I couldn't be more thrilled about is a, a cleaning make-and-take. Um, I'm going to share all my secret recipes on how to make really inexpensive but effective cleaning products um, that are safe for your home, sustainable, but they also boost your immune system. And one thing that I'm adding this time that we've never done before is beeswax wraps. Those are things that you can use, cloth that you can use to wrap instead of like cellophane on your um, your foods and that kind of thing to store them in the fridge. And I'm really excited about that. So I hope that you'll check all of these things out and join us at some of them. And um, yeah, it's going to be a great March. <laughs>